Hey everyone, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Although I am a licensed clinician, I'm also just a person. I love to be able to be in my real life and speak from that point. And that's where this podcast is coming from. So enjoy. Searching for a truth. Looking for answers. There must be a way to another day. Hi, everyone. It's Aaliyah. And Joe. Welcome to Convenient Truth. I am back. I'm back from my England trip. Man. Back. That trip was amazing. For those of you who have not listened or been following, I've been gone for seven days in England. So I was in London, and then I went to like this little place called Dorking, and then I went to another place called Guildford, and then I was back in London. I traveled like I was back in my 20s again. It was fun. And Joe did an amazing job. Well, I wasn't with you. I mean, they- By yourself, without me. Yeah. Yeah, you held it down. <clears throat> Thanks. And implemented some great things. With our child. Yeah. She's getting dressed by herself, which is like, she wasn't doing that shit before I left. <laughs> so I also you- got my hair cut. Yes. But now with the background, it looks like my hair is just like blended in with the background. It looks like, yeah, it looks weird. <laughs> it it looks like it's just like this like dyed really I low got, patch of here, like but... hair that's like colored in with marker or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real quick. So we do have some guests on today. Yes, we do. Real quick, we 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 met them at a, a spa. They're two young women who are social workers mm-hmm. and we're going to get into that in a little bit but first because this is kind of like our valentine's day uh episode i wanted to just kind of talk about real quick how we met and on all that other stuff because there's i think there's all there's still this uh i feel divide between people that are cool with online dating and and some people say that it's just stupid. Well, I don't think online dating is for everyone. <clears throat> Clearly it was for us, but I don't think it's yeah. for everyone. Well, I just wanted to explain our success story here to people that probably haven't heard it before. Okay. So do you want to tell it real quick? Because I know that you don't like the way that I tell it because it takes too long. You take forever. All right. So you take, do the short way and I'll interject if I have to. Okay. Um, so let's see. Um, okay. Sorry. I have to get my brain in order. We, we went to bed at like one o'clock this morning and was, uh, there was a whole like, UFC was fight a night. really huge fucking fight last night. And I was up until one invested emotions were up and down. We have a three-year-old I'm tired. So I'm so, so, some kind of all over the place, but, um, Tinder. Tinder was my jam. So was Bumble and so was Match and so was OkCupid. I'm dating myself so now for those, like of, long, you, for those of you who don't know about OkCupid. Um, or I'm going to go even farther, Plenty of Fish. I'm going to go even farther. I did Plenty of Fish, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. OkCupid was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was pretty cool. I, I, the, no. No, uh, Tinder anyway. was the fastest. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> so I was tindering my life away. I was single, you know, young professional in the mental health field. I was a director in the, in the field at the time. Wow, you this is thing. this is this is the short version. You're like literally giving. <laughs> I'm just like, trying to the set the. I'm trying to set the tone because the tone of how we met is crazy. Because I was not in that space of my life to actually meet someone. I was just in a space of my life of just like, you know, being single, going on fucking Tinder dates, getting free meals, and just meeting great people. Honestly, that's really where I was, you know? Like, I was like, I don't care. I'm just having a blast. Yeah, we were both doing that. So I feel like that needs to be like said. Anyway, I was on my way to miami somewhere to meet up with a friend or you're living in fort lauderdale i was living in fort lauderdale and so i was going out with a friend we matched it while i was in my car on the way to go out and then i sent you a message because well, i was you were I too would, much of a pussy to send me one first i was living in rhode island at the time i was i flew down there to go kind of check out different areas for a long weekend and of course i was tindering while i was there of course like <laughs> it's like the nicest guy in the world of course um so anyway right so then we matched you were like hey let's uh, meet, come to south beach and i was like ew no because anyone who <laughs> is from south florida lives out there is not fucking going to it south was like beach. It, yeah it was like my like second time down there so i was like um, oh, yeah, i'm down here so i was like i am not going to south <clears throat> beach um but i'll catch you whatever and so then i went out i had a great time you know, all that. And then I woke up the next morning. On a date. You were on a date. I went on a date first, and I met up with my friend. Right, right, right. And, and then, we kind of talked a little bit here and there throughout that. <laughs> throughout, my pro- <laughs> throughout my Tinder date, I was <clears throat> um, And then that morning, I woke up and I was like super hungover. I'll never forget this. And I was like not like feeling well. And I got your message, and you were like, hey, I don't live here. I'm only yeah. here visiting. Yeah, I said I'm. I, I was gonna go visit friends in Orlando, so we're in Miami, yeah. and I was supposed to. This was my last day. I was driving up to Orlando. I was gonna fly out of Orlando, and Fort Lauderdale is on the way to Orlando from Miami. So I was like, "Hey, you want to grab breakfast real quick?" Right. And so then, cut to me in my bed. I see it, and I was like. What do I have to lose, right? He doesn't live here. So, all right, cool. I'll I'll go to brunch. And just to be clear, this is like so ridiculous. But prior to you, no guy's ever asked me on brunch. It's always been like, hey, you want to go out and have a drink? And I'm like, sure. You know, like so brunch, I was like, oh my God, this is a day date? I feel like day dates... I mean, Day we met are at, different. what time did we meet? It was like 10 a.m. or something, right? It was brunch. It was like 11 a.m. Yeah. I was like, this yeah. is wild. Okay, I've never but done this, this before. Was, by the way, this was a technique because... You had a thing. Yeah, yeah I would always go on just coffee dates right. and like quick, like, I wouldn't do dinners because if you sucked, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be there to and pay for a whole freaking dinner. And so. not that you sucked. If it just <clears> wasn't your cup of tea. Yeah, if it wasn't the right person, you know, so... So then I would just go out and get coffees and or if they weren't whatever. as crazy as I am to actually sit with you and entertain all of your shenanigans yeah. for it, a it, whole five hours. If if a girl's willing to go grab a coffee with you and just talk and get to know you, then okay, that there could be potential there, right? Even if it's and you're not spending a lot of money. If a girl's willing to sit with <clears> you and listen to all of your crazy yeah, ideas, I mean, and most theories, are not, and most they're are willing, not. and then they're like, you know what? Yeah, I fucking like you. I'm saving them too. <laughs> they, they just have to have coffee and that's it you know um so anyway 
hanging out, had a really great time, and then it was time for you to go. Well, you no, were like, hold on. It was like supposed to just be breakfast or whatever, and just yeah, have that a was cup it. Of and then you were gonna go and whatever, and I was gonna leave. But then we had such good a good connection yep. and communication, and we we're talking and telling our whole life story. And then before we know it, it's like two o'clock. And we've moved on from breakfast to espresso bar. Martinis now we're at the bar. And, yeah. You know, we're, we're drinking. And I'm like, listen, I'm, my flight leaves at nine o'clock tonight. I'm supposed to meet my friends there. It's three hours from here. I got to either get going soon or change everything up and hang out here because I'm willing to or do change that. my flight. Right, yeah. I was right. like, I was like, but that's a big commitment for you. I said, huge commitment, it's a big commitment. I understand if you don't want to, Yeah, I can just go and we can continue talking. But if you want to, I will change everything around and stay here. I know. And and you committed. Knowing you now, I'm like, holy shit. That's a, that was a big thing for you to do, that, especially back then. I was at a very <clears> different <throat> point in my life where I was just kind of like, I'll, you know, like life is short. But for so you, like, you had nothing to lose at that time. Because had nothing like to lose. it was about, it, you're in your hometown. Yeah. What the fuck? You're like, if he sucks, I'll just ditch him. And my plan was actually not to spend the night spend the night with you by myself. I already had plans that night with my friend, with mm. Catherine. So my concert. plan was, oh, was to kind to of bring the, you with. I was supposed to right. go to your concert. That didn't end up that. But way. then I manipulated you out of that. And you're crazy. <laughs> I don't even know why I was. So we had sushi. Crazy. Ended up back. We were back at your house. I met your dog. Now that I know you, now I know you did manipulate me <laughs> and fucking lure me back in. You fucking creep. <laughs> it all worked. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. Gotcha, bitch. Four years later, here we are. Um, so yeah, and then you extended the flight, and yep, then we and changed all my shit around, rental car, everything. Got a flight the next day, got a hotel. And that was it. And I never went to Orlando. And then after that, we saw each other every two weeks for the next six months. I would fly down, she would fly up, and then we ended up getting a condo in uh, Miami and moving in together about six or seven <laughs> months later. Six, seven months in, yeah. And then now we're married. That's it. With a kid, kid, dog, house. You never it know what happens you. when you go it on a team. You, you. you never know what's going to happen. It can Point happen B. to you. Yeah, life changes. But yeah, that's our little that's Valentine's, our Valentine's Day, Day segment. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's uh, bring in uh, Nicole and Meredith. Yes. We met, we met them at the Bodhi spot. Yeah, let's like jazz this up for a second. So, so Nicole and Meredith, we met them at the Bodhi spot. We speak about the Bodhi spot quite often because we're obsessed with doing the cold plunges. Yeah, Bodhi spot. When are you gonna like hit us up and Bodhi spot work something out? Like we go once a month faithfully. We love you. You're amazing. I talk patient about you. I have patience now going to your Providence and Newport area. I feel like at this point. 20 people over your I feel way, like at, at this least. point. Um, so anyway, so we were all in the sauna together and we had these two young girls and they were just seemed to have really great personalities. So we start talking to them, blah, 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 come to find out they're social workers, right? So they're in the mental health field. And I was like, okay, well, this is cool, right? Um, and I, I think Joe and I both have been talking about really bringing more people just who we like meet just yeah. randomly who were like, like oh, okay, good, that's cool that you do that. Or that like, do things, oh, that sounds like cool kind of bad. Yeah, and just has good energy. We just want to like talk to people on the podcast and just have a free-flowing conversation and kind of see where it goes. Yeah. 
Well, with these girls, there was like a the, yeah. the connection between your you know your therapist, the social workers, the, and then they're also going to school for this too. So we kind of wanted to go through and right. Kinda- so they're they're like right. So they're it's 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 great because I want to also be able to talk to them from that viewpoint, right? Um, of just like just being in the field or being early in takes. the field, still being in school. <clears throat> I don't know the requirements here in Rhode Island, guys, because I got licensed first in Florida. Um, so yeah, so just to kind of get into that and then we'll, and then we'll see where it takes us. All right. With that being said, we're introducing Meredith and Nicole. Meredith and Nicole. Hey guys. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Good, good, good. good. We're doing good. How, how was that? So the day that we met these two ladies, it was, I believe, Meredith's birthday. Yes. Um, so they just so happened to be just having a great time and, you know, doing some self-care and celebrating a birthday. So how was the rest of your birthday? <laughs> it was good. We went to get food and drinks. Yeah. And we went to the nail salon. So it was a self-care day. It definitely sure. was. Nice. 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 Um, so let's kind of just start off and, and, and either one of you can start first, but just talking a little bit about what exactly is it that you guys do? I feel like what happens is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but for people who are not familiar with the mental health field, I think they hear social worker and then they also hear mental health therapist. And then they're like, okay, well, either what's the difference, right? Um, or they also, I think there's a stereotype for social workers I, in terms of what social workers only do, um, but there's actually other avenues for social workers to actually go down um, that actually is also just being a therapist. And so I want to I wanna just kind of have you guys talk a little bit about what you do, what it looks like, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Sure. Right. I mean, you guys are, are you're at in the same school, doing the same in the same courses, the same class, same level, everything, right? So it's, yeah. it's all the same. Okay. Yeah. So first off, like, how about what got you into this? So to be honest, for me, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for Meredith, but to be for me, I had a fucked up childhood. So I feel like going into this field was like natural, um, and I think that. I've always learned to like give to people and uh, that's pretty much like what my entire job is, is like trying to help people and, you know, making sure people don't feel judged and, you know, I was raised that way. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's what got me into it. But Mm. yeah. And then mine was more so like role models in my life. So Mm. my mom, I always grew up watching my mom take care of people because she's an oncology nurse So that kind of inspired me. And then my dad's mom, um, she's just a very giving person. She does a lot with the church. Um, She runs a soup kitchen. And so I think those two people have just been a big inspiration. And I knew I wanted to go into the helping field, but I did not want to be a nurse. So I ended up here. Same. Well, my mom wanted me to be a nurse. She said, nurses make so much money. Social workers make nothing. Yeah. And I got a lot. Like, yeah. And I was like, all right, Just I'll right. give it a shot. One semester into nursing school. And I was like, mm, no. Done. No. Done. 
That is true. That's like such a true story. Um, I always would tell people, I'd be like, if you're willingly going in to the mental health field, being a therapist, a clinical social worker, clinical, you know, psychotherapist, whichever direction you go, you definitely are not doing it for money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just want to be clear. Yeah. Definitely an underpaid, um, field yeah, a field for sure yeah 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 definitely it's, um it's interesting yeah. uh, this kind of little side note and, and it's kind of like a stereotypical comment here so the stereotype of a social worker i guess not obviously not all social workers are like this but from things that people have heard what you see on the news or whatever is like there's there's um scenarios with social workers that are doing unethical things and stuff like that right I don't know what you're talking about. No? Am I, maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that there are... I'm not saying that you girls are. I'm just trying to talk about what the stereotypical... Oh, well, uh, for like, me, I'll tell you what I was talking about in terms of stereotype of a like, social worker like, is that... Because I think we could be talking about different things. What I'm focusing maybe on I'm is that the wrong thing too. people hear the word social worker and a lot of times they just um, uh, uh, connect social worker, the case manager yeah. dealing more with like the uh, government stuff and the one like, who comes in and grabs and, the and, like, kids removing and, children yeah. from the house and yeah, doing yeah. this and doing that and blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, right. Like, and you're the person, you're the case manager that comes and has like fucking 50 or 60 freaking, you know, people on your caseload because you work for some, you know, government organization and that's how it goes. Mm. And that's the whole fucking thing. So that's kind of what I meant by the stereotype of social worker, but there are, which, which again, there are, there is that, but then there's also clinical social workers who actually like to have private practices and do therapy and and the whole entire nine. So that's kind of what I meant by stereotype. Also a social worker in some States, I know that they're doing uh, therapists that are going out with the police, but are they also also doing like social workers? Uh, If you are a licensed clinical social worker, Then yeah, yeah. yeah. Some you states are doing that. You've, you, have you girls LCSW heard of that? LCSW or yeah. Actually, yeah. I just I just got a um, met with a, a new family that oh we froze. That's great. What happened? Oh, you guys froze on your end. We froze or you froze? No, we did. Can you see us? Moving? Yeah. Oh, we can Nothing see happened. you. That was perfect. There was no <laughs> problem. Um. Yeah. So I had gotten. <laughs> <laughs> it, so it, just looks, it looks ridiculous. <laughs> oh, you guys are frozen on your end. Oh, okay. Just don't okay. look at yourself. Um, Close your eyes. <laughs> I had gotten um, a new family to work with where they um, actually, the when the police were called, they actually brought um, a therapist out. Not a therapist. I guess like a mental health. Clinician. Yeah, like a clinician to do like a mental health evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, for well-being that was being requested. Um, and that was actually the first time I had heard that happening. Usually you hear stuff like that for like kids, um, like where they'll send this out, like this to do like an evaluation. But um, yeah, this one, it was for an adult and I was really surprised. Yeah, there's nice. there's several states that have required this now for certain mm-hmm. areas, police yeah. instances. They they're required to bring a clinician along now, which is great. I think. Um, sorry, um, we're going off track a little bit. 
Well, yeah, so I'm going to bring it back because <laughs> the initial question was just kind of like, what do you guys do, right, for, as social workers? Um, but what we started with was really how the both of you guys got into your field, um, which I also think is really cool and interesting and good to focus on for a moment because a lot of people who I've met, who I've spoken to, um, colleagues of mine, got into the field for some reason, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like you just like roll out of bed one day and it's like, oh, I just want to be in the mental health field for just no reason. It just seems like it's, you know, there's it's a lot of schooling. It's a lot of, I mean, yeah, you got to go a total of four years for your undergrad. And then some people do like, I only had a two year graduate program, so mm. I didn't go as long. Some people have three year graduate programs or whatever. Um, and then after that, if you're going to get like your PhD or your PsyD, then that's like another like three years on top of that, you know? Um, so, so anyway, yeah. So a lot of people get into it because of some kind of connection, right? They, they, they feel they have to just mental health in general in some way, shape or form. And so here we have a situation where one person's like, yeah, I mean, I really, you know, lived in a, you know, dysfunctional slash chaotic slash unhealthy environment, um, and so therefore that's really what gravitated me towards that. Cause I lived it. Um, and then you have someone else kind of saying, well, yeah, for me, it was just modeled so much mm -hmm. around me in terms of, you know, people always doing something that either gives back or in some kind of profession <clears throat> of helping in some way, shape or form. So I kind of want to, um, I think that's like a good thing to kind of focus on as well to maybe a little bit more. So I'll start with, you had explained, Meredith, about your, so your mom is an oncology nurse? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. That is like, yeah. she's not just a nurse. She's an oncology nurse, you know, like yeah. that's a whole different ballgame. Explain that. So for anyone who has like cancer, who's diagnosed with cancer, uh. you know, so that's like the oncology department, you know, I would say, and I'm sure other diseases as well or disorders as well, but like terminal. whenever stuff. I hear oncology, I hear cancer is kind of what I yeah. hear. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah. So she works in the um, cancer unit at um, a hospital. So right. Have some sort of cancer. Yep. Interesting. And now your grandmother, you had mentioned her also in a helpful role. And what exactly was that again, just in terms of. So, I mean, so she worked at a veteran's home um, cooking for them for years and she just loves to cook. Like she'll literally cook for a stranger. Um, so and she's really good at it too. <laughs> what type of food? Soul, Soul food. food. Yeah. Uh, so she's just, I don't know. She's just a big inspiration to me. She's really connected with her church. And I mean, I've seen her take in people that she doesn't even know, um, have people stay with her. She's needy. Wow. She's still it's and like does a lot um and she gives back to the community so i think just being that um i spent a lot of time with her growing up so i think it just kind of wants me to to help people and also just like where i grew up and um all of that too but that's the main reason yes um so i had something that popped up in my head so i'm I'm hearing you say all that, right? And then what I'm doing as I'm hearing you say that is I'm putting, I'm like making myself, <laughs> I'm making myself a patient saying that 
to someone else in a therapeutic setting to some clinician and to some clinician hearing that and going, huh, okay, so let's maybe kind of address possible codependency and see maybe what's going on there because that word I think is thrown into the mental health field too much, I would say, I think sometimes. Um, and I think that there's also confusion about what codependency really means. But for anyone, let's say, who comes into, who goes into a clinical office and there's a therapist there and they're talking about, oh yeah, so I love to help or this and that. And I saw someone helping a lot and blah, 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 and doing this and having people stay with them. And blah, 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 blah. That's like every clinician's like, I could see every clinician sitting there going like, codependency, codependency. <laughs> so, so, so I want to focus on that for a sec because you're in the field and I'm sure you know what codependency is. So have you seen any connection between some possible codependent traits within your family? Or is it just strictly you think it's totally 100% healthy, selfless, I mean, I've never really thought of it, to be honest, but mm -hmm. definitely raises a good point. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I really just didn't see myself doing anything else other than, like, some type of field um, related to helping people. And maybe that is why, just because, like, yep. maybe I felt like I kind of had to in a sense. But, I don't know, it's a good good thing to think about. I, just, mm. I don't feel like you're a codependent person, though. I kind of feel like you're... Independent more than anything. Yeah, I think now Just knowing you as a person. Well, what would be like? Like, do you do you put other people ahead of your own like? priorities of yourself well that would right. be the main thing and not even just you just even if it's like anyone that you watch in your family like right so like oh yeah like so like my dad for example i mean my dad's like <laughs> fucking class codependency fucking king of enabling <laughs> codependency but everyone will say who doesn't really know codependency they'll be like Oh my God, he's amazing, which he is. He's yeah. this, he's that. Da, 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 da. The guy has like given money to a kid, to, just helped out so many fucking people and continues to do so and has gone through so much. And again, from the outside world, it's just solely the fact that he's just really nice and really amazing, which he will also tell you that he's just <laughs> always loved to help and it's his thing he's a doctor but he you know like en so enables. right so it makes sense but he's so enabling and has no like I, it's like he sees a little bit but i'm like right mm -hmm. but again there's a difference because he literally i think has put a lot of himself right in front of everybody else and everybody else's time and everything and that right. would really be like where that codependency piece comes in is really like putting all of your feelings, your thoughts, your behaviors, your everything in front of, sorry, behind really somebody else's and, 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 mm -hmm. and having those people instead kind of become more important due to whether it be your issues with self-esteem, anxiety, control, fear, rejection, po feeling powerless, helpless, whatever. So that's kind of like, yeah, from that aspect, that's why I also kind of want to talk about it because I see it in my family too, but I didn't see it until I got older and then also did my own therapy and then was like, oh my God, my dad's the biggest fucking enabler in the whole entire world. This makes sense as to why I'm the way that I am, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You always learn about yourself if, if you really go deep on your parents. Like, ask them questions <laughs> like where, how they were raised, how their, like, their parents were. Then you start realizing, wow, there's some traits that I've taken on about myself. Yeah. 
But um, you know, I, I also kind of wanted to get into like, um, are you going to go too far off? Well, because we still have to go. I, no, okay, I, go. Want to hear keep, from everyone right, here? Go. Continue. <laughs> yeah, you got yeah, a good flow going on. Yeah. I'll kick it in at the end. Yeah. Um. Okay. And then for you, Nicole, you had mentioned. Well, what you said was you came from kind of like a fucked up environment. We're going to switch that maybe, right? To like, just like, you know, chaotic, dysfunctional, un- <laughs> unhealthy. Well, let her explain it. Maybe it right. was fucked up. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, talk a little bit as much as you feel comfortable talking oh, about I'm maybe like just a, that. I'm probably like an overshare at this mm-hmm. point. Okay, great. I don't care. Um, yeah, so when I was like 13, I think my dad like le- kind of left i guess he like cheated on my mom or something like that but he's also an alcoholic and he's still mm. an alcoholic to this day mm-hmm. um we have a really fucked up relationship my dad and i feel like talk to me and then tell me like go fuck yourself and then come back like in a year like i don't think i, I think the last time i talked to him was like maybe thanksgiving ish because he grow the fuck up and whatever whatever so anyway yeah. So he left. Um, and then when that happened, my mom kind of went through like a midlife crisis and mm-hmm. um, started dating like somebody half her age and was never home. So my dad had left. My mom was never home. And then. Um, Are you the only child or? So it was just, it was me, my brother and my sister. I'm the youngest. Okay. My brother's only 18 months older than me. And then uh, my sister's four years older than me. Um so yeah, so my brother and I kind of like threw ragers at the house because my mom was spending weekends out. My dad wasn't yep. living there. Um, so I kind of got into a lot of trouble as a kid, as a teenager. I got into fights. I cut class. Mm. Um, you know, did, did a bunch of stuff um, that I'm not super proud of today. Uh, but yeah, so... <clears throat> we all did. We all did. <laughs> <laughs> so what I... What I even now, I mean, my whole family lives in New York. So I'm, I'm from New York originally. Where in um, New York? Nice. Uh, Long Island. Okay, where in Long Island? Um, now that so, we're, breaking, we're breaking it down just because well, Aaliyah's just from, New I'm York. from New York. So I'm like, where are you? Do you know like the towns of Long Island? Because people always ask that and I don't know how to answer. Because Long Island yeah. I know, it's so big. Uh, I mean, some of them, not like all of Long Island, but. So I'm from Deer Park, which is like. Okay. Well, your cousin lives in Long Island. The middle. Oh, Got it. Okay. So I grew up there. I moved here in like 2013. Um, But I grew up there. So my whole family's still in New York. And I love being distant from them just because I feel like it really kind of helps our relationship because Mm -hmm. there is, I'm like the opposite of my family. Um, I, my sister is like attached to my mother and in her eyes, my mother can do no wrong. No wrong. Um, but realistically, like my brother and I know like that's not the case. Um, well, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's not the case for you guys. It sounds like yeah. for you. That's your sister, right? It sounds like for your sister. And this is what's so interesting, too, right? Is how we can all be. We can all grow up in the same household in the same environment and have totally Just different, different fucking perspective. perspectives yeah. and understandings of something. Uh, yeah. So wild. Well, like is my mother. <laughs> And my brother and I are not at all. Mm. Um, My brother and I are like carefree, like funny. And my sister's very like, she's my mother. Like Mm. every, she wants to dress like my mom. She's just as codependent as my mother was. Like it's 
Well, she had a few years just with her and her mom when she was born. Yeah. So yeah, different. So, bond, yeah. So, you know, I think that the way that my mom like raised me, like to, she wanted me to be a nurse because she said that I was going to make a lot of money or whatever. Um, that's like something that's been running in my family is like money. So like people mm. always talk about like gifts and giving money and stuff like that. And I like never cared about that. Like I used to have to tell my dad, like, we want you at Christmas. I don't care if you don't have gifts. Right. But, you know, he still would be like, no, I'm too embarrassed. Like I'm not going to go. Mm -hmm. He would like miss out on holidays and shit like that just because he didn't have gifts. And I was like, that's not what this is about. Right. So I've always kind of like tried to, because my family didn't have like somebody come in and like help us out. And to be honest, my brother and I went to therapy as adults. Mm -hmm. uh, my sister never did, but my brother and I did. And we both like realized like, wow, we should have been in therapy as kids going through the mm -hmm. shit. Through. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but that's great that you went though. You know, you're still super young too. I mean, I so, mean yeah. so you still uh, did go young. We'll call it young. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Yeah, you and yeah. <laughs> also, too, like the therapy. I mean, as as someone who has been in and out of therapy literally since I was like fourteen, um, but also works with adolescents and then has them also now as adults and kind of sees throughout like the whole process. It's interesting because <laughs> on one side, I'm very much like. Absolutely. Right. Like prevention, get them in early, da, 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 the whole nine. Understandable. On the other side, though, it's very different doing therapy on a 14 year old brain with 14 year old insight and, you know, all of that um, versus 25 or 35 or 45. And so, like, I know for myself, let's say doing therapy when I was 14. I don't remember any fucking thing. Like I have no conscious memory of what the fuck I got out of therapy when I was 14. Now that could be several reasons. That could be one. I just really wasn't into the th therapist. I didn't really vibe, which probably also was a piece of it. But I also think another piece is just also a lot of it is just subconscious, right? Which makes sense then. Meaning I don't, I, I don't have it stored in my conscious memory, but I have it stored in my mm. subconscious memory. So therefore when I'm 25, if someone tells me something that maybe my 14 year old self heard it'll still click. I just don't have the, 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 the awareness mm, of, right. The awareness. So that could be the other piece of it, which also that makes sense to me, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that regardless, even if you, let's say you got started early or not, you know, like depending on, I think so many factors. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like at least you're in it now. And then now you just are understanding it from this perspective, which is totally different from a 14 year old perspective. So. Yeah. Or younger. I mean, my brother and I definitely rebelled when we were teenagers. Like, and that could have been just because, like, we weren't getting any attention because, like, our parents weren't there um, or what. But or it was just because we had freedom to do whatever we wanted. So we did what yeah. kids do and make dumb choices. Um, you know, but yeah, I think also, too, I think that also caused me to be super independent because... I was the first person, I was the first one out of my siblings to move out, let alone mm. leave this state. Mm. Um, How old were you? I was 21 when I moved. Okay. Um, 
and I was the first one to move out. I was the first one to leave the state and I'm the only one to have gone to college. Mm. Um, you know, pretty much most of my family does like labor work, um, nice. or like reception work. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank that you. A- I'll feel proud once I graduate, but, um, but yeah, so I think, you know, I think the thing is, is with my family now, because of like the way, like I'm so put together with like having a job and I'm in grad school and you know, yada, yada, like from the outside, I feel like it looks like my family did a great job raising me. And Mm. like, realistically, it's like, you have to, I really wanted to get into this field because I wanted to be that interception because it took me a while to get here. It wasn't easy. I had a lot of issues, anger issues, stuff like that. So I can like use my experiences, I feel like, to like work with some of the clients that I work with because mm-hmm. I've, I've gone through similar things that they're probably going through. You know, I've dealt with substance use in my family, mental health in my family, um, you know, neglect and you know all those things so i think it it does help with my ability to build rapports with my clients Mm -hmm. Uh, and i I definitely pride myself on that piece of it so this is is an amazing story because like i'm I'm sure it seems like you're aware of this but like you are the pivotal moment of like changing the direction of the culture of your family like when when your kids and your great grandkids and grandkids look back, like they won't even realize that grandma, great grandma, made the shift from this is was the culture and right. now this is the culture, and you're doing it. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I kind of I f- have a similar story as well, and um, so I can relate to. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Completely. So in terms of what the both of you have patients right you're both in the social work field so in terms of what let's say um a day in the life of a social worker at this level that you're at looks like so i'm not i'm going to speak for because we have different roles yeah yeah so for me it's i do a lot more field work um like i'm not so much office based. I'm kind of always working with families in their homes. Um, I do a lot of court stuff. I have to go into court a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, realistically, I, I, I kind of make referrals for, for clients. Um, you know, I, I set tasks and action plans and stuff like that um, to kind of help mitigate any kind of risk that may already be involved. Um, yeah, and I, I, I really, I really love it. Um, it's definitely hard. It's definitely a hard job. Um, it's not for the weak, I would say. <laughs> um, and it's hard to com- compartmentalize, uh, you know, your job from your daily life. But mm. um, you know, when you have that like one case that you close, and they're like crying that you're leaving. Where like when you first arrived, they were like, "Fuck you." Um, yeah. I feel. That really makes that really can take over all the shit that you really have to deal with on a day to day, which is a lot. I mean, I get threats, I get um, name called, I get the stereotypes yelled at me about it. Um, but again, when I have that family that like successfully closes, um, 
and appreciates what you've done for them in the time you've been with them, um, I think that that really makes my job. Do, um, do me a favor if you can. And when you say, when I have a family that I successfully close, just so that people understand what that is, right? So what does that mean to successfully close a case? So realistically, they've met their goals. So if like their goals were to like get into substance use treatment, if their goals were to, um, you know, get the kids going to school or get, um, you know, domestic violence classes for maybe a, a family who's going through domestic violence incidents where there's intimate partner violence or um, any of that. So realistically, if I'll set goals and tasks for them to comply with, I'll speak to, to collateral contacts um, just to kind of get another side of what's going on and, you know, help guide them in the direction that we're looking for them to be in, which is ultimately a safe environment for the family um, and minimize any potential risk. So, you know, at that point, we do like a risk assessment at the end of like a case to determine if, um, you know, the case is set to close or not. Um, and if the case isn't, like if I called, you know, one of the collaterals and they were like, oh, yeah, they're not engaged in their substance use treatment or they're not engaged in their therapy. And, you know, that's a concern I have to address with a client. But if I contact collaterals and they're compliant with everything that, you know, we were looking for them to do, then, you know, that's a successful close. Got it. Okay. Um, what about Meredith? Huh? Meredith. No, I know. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm, I'm not, I can go so many ways with this because it's kind of like opening up just a lot of, um, so this is for the both of you really. Um, something that you said that, that, that stood out was you said, um, uh, when they meet, when they meet the goals that are, that are, that are set for them. So let's get into that. So the goals that are set for them, are they goals that you guys create with the families and they're like, or are they like goals that you guys just have there that are like standard goals that like, let's, let's get into what that is. Well, I think it's interesting because the agencies that we work at are kind of like intertwined in the sense that like we get cases from her um, agency and they set the goals that they want us to work on. Um, so then we're kind of following the goals that they set and we're giving them updates um, because they're our funder. But I think you can speak to like where those goals originate from. Yeah, so basically we typically, we try to create the goals and the tasks with the family directly. Um, because one thing that like I always tell my clients is like, your goals are not a checklist for us. So like, don't just go to therapy because we're telling you, you need to go to therapy. Don't just go to substance use treatment because we're telling you you need substance abuse treatment. Cause if you do that, we're not, you're, we're not going to get out of it what you need to get out of it. So when we, you know, get out of the picture, the chances of success are a lot lower if it's not them doing it because it's mm -hmm. something that they're willing to do or, you know, feeling that they need to do. So it's, it's really, honestly, it's that you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make them drink kind of thing mm, right. where I'll, you know, if there's obviously there's concerns that bring them into my involvement, bring my involvement in. Um, and 
my goal, my job is to really set kind of goals for them and with them to address those concerns that came up. Um, so, you know, I have like different resources that I'll throw into there, like contacting um, certain providers or whatnot to make sure that those goals are being met um, and help people navigate that because a lot of people also don't know how the system works and how to navigate you know, health insurance or how to navigate any of these resources or find resources or any of that. So, mm -hmm. you know, so I do that. Um, and those goals, like, usually I'll talk with clients because the, the whole, the whole process, I do like a full assessment in the 90, the first 90 days of opening, you know, a case with me. It's, it's a full 90 day assessment. And, you know, we kind of go over like, any kind of goals that they feel necessary to work on, um, but obviously also addressing the concerns that brought them to my attention. That brought them there to begin with, right? Yeah. But then when we would like put a service in, like you know where Meredith, you know, is is employed, um, we explain. We'll have like a meeting and discuss like why the case is involved um, and kind of like what we're looking for the family to work on. But then obviously like her agency will develop their own plan it's not like they like take our plan and use that you know they they work with the family and develop like what kind of safety measures they're going to put in place and how they're going to navigate some of the issues that are coming up uh, i might be the only one here that doesn't know this but like how how do you guys get involved is it because of there's that's like that's some sort of people, uh, yeah. police police intervention and then they call you in because something happened or how do, how do you guys get what are the different ways that you guys can get involved in families so realistically it's people reporting um right. so it can be somebody like i'm assuming alia you're probably what like a mandated reporter mm -hmm. so if you know somebody comes to you and you have to like file a report mm -hmm. um because you're mandated to do so that's how we become involved right. so um, like a report that 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 somebody is yeah like, so like a mandated reporter well. are individuals who have certain careers who based on let's say the law and based on ethics we have to report something if we hear so like when people come let's say to therapy right therapy is confidential however <laughs> it's it's we have to break confidentiality in the event that someone comes into our office and says they're going like, to go blow and says building or that something. they're going to either hurt themselves or hurt somebody else, harm someone who's I think sixty five and above, uh, harm the elderly, and then also harm a minor. Ah, the poor sixty four year olds. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. And Ishe is different with that. I'm not too sure what you know Rhode Island is, but it's, it's usually pretty standard for that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So is there any other ways besides uh, like a clinician? Like it can really be anybody. Cop, teacher, right? Cop, Any teacher, doctors, anybody, like, your neighbor. Like, yeah. Anyone like yeah. a neighbor can file a report if there's a concern. Yeah. If they're suspect, but yeah. And then, you know, I mean, it depending on what the report states, obviously that will determine if we try to look into it or not to determine if the case needs to come open with me. So, um, I'm going to hold on to this because I want to go a certain, cause you just said something and I'm like, Oh my God, we got to go here. But Meredith, because it sounds like the two of you have different 
positions or just do a little, so explain what it is that you do. Yeah, so um, when I first started at my job, I was carrying five cases, but we do intensive in-home services. So um, we also provide crisis management. So the typical um, worker will get five families that they're seeing three times a week, sometimes more um, if the family needs more support or if there's crisis. Um, and basically what we're doing is we're working under someone's license, but we're creating a treatment plan um, that gets approved based on the referral issues that we get. So sometimes the referral, um, the actual referral sometimes is coming from an agency, like an agency where Nicole works or um, Department of Mental Health. Um, sometimes it's even voluntary. So we have, um, we just launched a new program where um, we can take families that are boarding in the ED. Um, so, cause obviously, yeah, so the emergency yeah. department. Um, so families that go to the hospital um, because their kid is in crisis and they really don't know what else to do. Um, they'll put our service in, which is free of charge to the family. Um, and we'll work with them and it's voluntary so they can close out. Um, and we basically just like look at like what's going on, what the behaviors are of the kid. And we work around those, but we also work with siblings, parents, um, the whole family. And we just work on different interventions based on those behaviors. Um, but now I was able to move up in, um, at this company. So now I kind of oversee a team. So I don't have my own clients, but right. I'm training new staff. Um, I'm going out in the field with them um, for their families, but it's all kind of connected. Sometimes I do have um, my own clients where I'm covering, but it's mm -hmm. just a little more flexible um, now, the role I'm in. Got it. Okay. That's so interesting because I, um, based on just like how, just based on, um, you know, like when, when, when people speak, you know, you get like a good understanding after a while of just like personality. Mm -hmm. And so I'm listening to the two of you speak and I'm getting more information and I'm like, Oh my God, that actually makes perfect sense now. Right. Whereas like <laughs> Meredith is the one. So Meredith is the one that now is overseas, let's say like a, like a crew will say. Right. Um, so I would put her under more of like, management slash you know whatever um which is going to involve well just a lot more annoying shit because now you have to oversee <laughs> everyone's like mm. stuff right um so now you're that person so a lot of paperwork too i can kind of see just a lot of stuff like that versus where nicole is a little is is more like in the nitty-gritty mm. um and just based on talking something makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. And it's actually really cool that you, <laughs> funny. It's, it's really cool that you girls are like really good friends too, which you, you just recently became really good friends. Am I correct? Yeah. We, we just recently met. We actually met at orientation um, yeah. back in August. So. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Now you're like best friends, right? Literally. Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool that you're in like different areas of the same industry. Yeah. And yeah. you get to kind of pick each other's brains and, and understand the other side of it a little bit better, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what it was, I think, because I feel like it's when you have friends that work completely out of the field, like 
after a long day, like, it's hard to talk to somebody that just has no idea of, like, the oh, things yeah. that go on. Yeah. Um, when you have, like, friends that work in, like, retail or business and stuff like that, it's harder. I think it's harder for them to kind of relate. Or, and I kind of feel like well, there's really no point in, like, I'd rather just... Stay with it. Yeah, because, I don't know. It's just, it. And it's also a lot to put on people that don't work in this field. To, they don't ask to have that. Fun. Yeah, so I think yeah. we able to kind of use each other as supports um, when we do have a bad day or like you know we're seeing similar things on a daily basis so. while going to school together. Yeah, so. right. we're dealing trucking with, through it <laughs> together, <laughs> dealing with yeah. the stress of grad school, which is um, in in itself a lot, um, and then throw on like the emotional toll of the shit that we have to see on a day to day. Yes, we have. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think that, that that's, I've definitely seen that where it's hard when you have to like go into the nitty gritty of like your job role and like explain everything. It's like so annoying where I could just be like, oh, I did blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, that yeah, got that. Like, like, yeah, right, yeah. right. Like that sucks. Where yeah. somebody else is like, oh my God. You have to do that. that like, sounds like right, so right. much. Yeah. Where I could never do that. Literally, yeah. I feel like that's what I hear a lot from people when they have any idea of like the experiences and like the the stuff that we just see on the day to day. They always respond that way, where they're just like, "Oh, I don't know how you do that. I could never do that," and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Or like, if she tells me about her shit day, I'm just be like, "Yeah, that fucking sucks." <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Move yeah, it's, it's. I think it's really good to. Um, um, being with you, I've realized it's very important to disconnect from the work afterwards. And yeah, I mean, obviously talk about it with your colleagues or whatever, but like, like bringing it home is, uh, could be not yeah. very healthy. Right. I mean, it's not healthy, but um, at the same time, you can't hold it in. No, you gotta do something. You have to it, release yeah. it somehow. Right. You know, and that's that's good for you two. You guys can talk to each other, but um, I think like Aaliyah is amazing at it. I don't even get how she does it, but she does, and she can turn that switch on and off. And she's it's very genuine. It's not like she's just like avoiding it because she gets people patients calling her in the middle of the night and stuff all the time. But she's able to do it, and and it's it's legit. And it's a it's a skill. I no, think. it's I, I mean I wasn't like that when I yeah, you're not I don't think a skill. lot of people are like yeah, that when they first get in yeah, the field at all. Yeah, I mean that takes like that takes time to kind of acquire. I think there's a couple things with that. One, it takes time, um, and just like just uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, just doing it, just being in the field and kind of doing it. You know, um, but I think that the other thing, to be quite honest, that it is is that I. I know that I'm really good at compartmentalizing. I can compartmentalize my fucking life away. I mean, honestly, like yeah, I already yeah, know that a, shit about myself. There's a balance there. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, so now what I've managed to do is that because I know that I'm good at it and I could easily do it in the most unhealthy way possible, I just take something that I have that I know how to do in an unhealthy way and then just end up doing it in some kind of a healthy way. Justifying so I'm still, it. I'm still utilizing it, but I'm like, I, to a certain, you had, Listen, there are certain things in life that at the end of the day, I don't give a fuck what anybody says, your brain has to, on a certain level, 
to some degree compartmentalize, okay? Mm. For individuals who've been through trauma, whatever trauma is for you, okay? At a young age, you had to fucking compartmentalize. How the fuck were you going to get through all the horrific stuff that you possibly went through, okay? What makes a difference, though, is that you're able to go back to those drawers that you shut and open them up as you're willing at to go certain back. times to be able to process those things mm. versus keep it all in, you know so it's just how you use it really yeah you have to go back and you process go you can't just keep shoving yeah. that shit i mean you down. can well you can <laughs> but you, it's not going to be good not in the, the healthiest place to be right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but it seems, seems like you girls are very self-aware which is great how old are you again i'm 32 25 you're 25 yeah 25, 32. Okay. 25, 32. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're still like. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. So that so, no, because when we first we had said something about age, and um, Nicole was like, "Well, I'm not too." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, thought, I was I, like, "Well, how old is she? Because she looks like so young." Yeah, and I'm like, "Okay, no, I get it now. Like, 32. Like, you're in your 30s." So I could have sworn like you said you you were like 28 or something. I know. I like thought that. so. Too, I thought you girls were both like. In your like mid to late, 20s. okay, <laughs> okay, well, got it. Well, you look very young. Thank you. Um, yeah, a lot of people think that like when they meet us that we're like the same age, <laughs> and then they yeah. think that we're like we've known each other for like our whole lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody once asked if we live together. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. We don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some people. Well, this is what I'll say. I'll say some people just click. But I also think that there's a reason why people click because I'm a firm believer in quantum physics and laws of attraction. Um, it is no surprise why it is that every single person I meet or who I have near and dear to me in my life also has anxiety. There's no <laughs> surprise about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's yeah. a reason. There's no surprise that every single one of my best friends also come from like, you know, dysfunctional homes or homes where parents are no longer together or something in there. There's no surprise. Yeah. You know, like you gravitate to people for a, for a reason, you know? Um, and sometimes it just takes a little longer to figure out what that reason is, but it's always for, for something. Interesting. Yeah. It is wild to think like that, what, like six months ago, we didn't know maybe like, yeah, we didn't know each other. Cause like, Honestly, I mean, I have people that I've known for, like, growing up, my friends from Long Island, I've known since I was seven. Like, I still talk to them to this day. So, like, that's a pretty long time. Yeah. Yeah. Know somebody and, you know, be close with them. But I said to her even just the other day, I'm like, like, I don't know how to live 32 years without you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) instantly like i i knew she was gonna be my friend when we first started talking just because i i go off like vibes i feel like so i can tell that like her vibe was gonna be something i like meshed with mm-hmm. um but i said i didn't i didn't think that it was gonna get to the point where like i literally don't go one day without talking to her <laughs> um and if i do i'm like are you mad at me <laughs> i think friends you make in like in like college and like uh, like after you're like 20s and your mid 20s or something are like the best friends you're ever going to have in life because at that point you you have a good idea of who you are where you want to go what you're trying to do at least you have a, like a at least a, an 
understanding of what direction you're going in and the type of people you want to be around. And then you get to choose. But your childhood friends were kind of just injected into your life via school or your parents having friends with kids or whatever, and you're just with them all the time, you know? And then you grow up and you're like, "Mm, they were cool then, but like, we don't really connect. We've just known each other for like freaking 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, right? Because well, because it's like again, we're evolving, right? So everyone who we meet at a different phase of life is is going to be a different a different relationship, a different bonding, a different everything. Like, I mean, I have so so there's like five of us, right? Like me and like my like best friends, best friends that yeah. are just my sisters that I've known since I was like 14. Um that I mean to be honest, they're the ones who probably will always know more about me than anybody else that i meet yeah see in your <laughs> like, case in your case like, actually you are you are very good friends with some of your the kids that you grew up with other oh, family yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so guy. i mean it happens yeah but there's stuff that like i i would tell meredith before i would tell like, yeah some of your other friends yeah yeah it's nice that, yeah when you're able to like actually choose like I want to be around that nobody's like forcing me to be with this person. Mm-hmm. And my parents aren't like saying we have to hang out with it. It's like, that's the person I would like to hang out with all the time. You call them up all the time, you know? And, yeah. um, you yeah, know, that's what happened with me and Aaliyah. Okay. <laughs> 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 um, I want to go back actually before I forget this, cause I've been holding on to it. Um, so, Okay. When you were talking about um, opening a case and closing a case and the whole entire nine, and we were getting into like the goals, etc., cetera, um, one of the things that popped up in my head, and this was, this is not, this wasn't, this was when I was living in, well, this is many times when I was living in Florida, I would have to report, unfortunately, stuff to just different states. Cause a lot of the patients that I would get when I was in Florida because I work for treatment facilities, these are people who come from all over the world, right? So I'd have to call different states. But I cannot tell you how many times um, that I've called. Now I'm getting, as the clinician, I'm getting one set of information, right? Okay, so there's someone who comes to my office, they're telling me their perspective, information, that's what I'm getting, right? Now, I hear something and I'm like, oh, it's just like I gotta tell you, like when someone drops something in session that I know I have to fucking break confidentiality on, it literally <laughs> is the worst feeling for me. Do you tell because, them? Yes, but it's like yeah, it's like, it's like <laughs> of course I have to tell them. But it's like, like why'd you I, say that? I hate it. Like sometimes I'm like, I wish you never fucking said that so that I we don't have to go. But it's like I get it, I get it. But it's excruciating because although I understand why it is that this phone call has to be made. I still am like empathizing with the other, it's like you're in everyone's shoes and it's a really icky situation sometimes, you know? So I just feel bad all around, but there were so many moments where, so I'd get the information, I'd have to call. All right, bam, I would call, I'd pour, I'd give them all the information that I got from this one person. All right. Then what happens is that in a lot of states, what the process is, is, I'll call, make the report. They now have the information. Someone from that area, right, of just like from that department, right, Mm -hmm. will then contact the person or people, whomever, who I gave them the information on. And they'll reach out to set up a time to come look and to come, you know, I guess kind of follow up on the report, right? Mm -hmm. 
which never makes any fucking sense to me because in my mind, uh, again, because I'm getting one person's right story here, right? So there's lots of things that I'm also missing out on, lots of stuff that I'm sure is right, but I'm getting this person. So then when I find out that you from over here contacted these people and gave them a fucking heads up on what day and time you're going to come to freaking peep the scene. Okay? You're saying the patient loses trust in you. No, what I'm saying is this is now going into the system. You got a lot of questions. involved. There's, this. There, this is really going deep. And I'm like yeah, it's going getting kind of lost. But this, okay. So let me explain it differently. So what I have to call, oh, I have to. We're frozen on their end. All right. Okay. Are we back? We can hear you, but the oh, we can hear turn your camera off and turn it back on, and we'll see if that works. Because that just uh, we can't do that. Oh. You can refresh. You can you can refresh. Yeah. How's your Wi-Fi over there? Good. Good. How do we refresh? Um, I don't know. Is there like a link somewhere that you can just like press like return and then you see can like the whole close thing? out of it and then like come back and I'll let you back on. Okay, hold on. Um. So. Basically, and I'm going to go into this fully so that you under, really understand because <laughs> like, there's lots this of... This is like deep and long. Yeah, there's like lots <laughs> of layers to this. That's why. Okay. Okay. Good? okay. Yeah, so... Are you guys, hold on. Are you girls paying attention? You guys know where she's at with this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm like... So, so I'm the clinician, right? Uh-huh. Hi, I clinician. get... Hi. Hello. I get something from you. Right. I get information from you that basically me, I am the patient. You're the patient. Okay. Right. And maybe you're telling me a story about how your partner back at home has been abusing your three year old daughter that you guys have together and blah, blah, oh, and the whole okay. nine. Da, 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 da. Yeah. There's people who've come and shot up the place and da, 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 the whole nine with a three year old kid. Da, 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 da. And now I'm like, it's a true story. And now I'm like, uh, fuck. Right. So now I got to make this call to the state, to whatever state they live in. But do you tell me that yes, you're going to do absolutely. this? Absolutely. Okay. Like, so oh, I know. Absolutely. Right. But I, but I tell you from, from jump. Yeah. So before we even get into a long relationship, you know, in that first session you say that the minute some shit comes out of your mouth like that, it leaves me yeah, no in, choice. A, in a situation. Right okay. now I call the state that they're in. Say it's, I don't know, Kentucky. Okay. Mm. I now have to contact the Department of Health, right? Their Child Protective Services Department, okay, of that state. Yeah. And I have to now make a call saying, hey, I've just got some information on some child abuse, blah, 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 blah. Here's the information I have. I know that this is the father's name. It's happening at this house. This is the phone number that my patient gave me. And now I leave it up to you. Mm. I did my part. I'd leave it up to you, right? Okay. Now, in some states, every state's different, so I don't, I, I can't speak for it, but in some states, what they'll do is when the person on this end from CPS, Child Protective Services, I'll say, okay, mm -hmm. gets the call. Oh, maybe those are the people I was thinking about. Gets the call. It's now on them to have to, I guess, go through the information that they got, and then they follow up if they can with the information on whoever it is that I was making the yeah. call about. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So what they'll do though, is they'll contact you and they'll say like, Hey, da -da -da, we just wanted to, we just got a call it off some concerns. We have to come out and look around or whatever and follow up. What's a good day and time. Da -da -da -da. And they'll, and they'll ask them that first. 
You're abusing your four-year-old, three-year-old child. This well, my is wife why is. I, this yeah. is why I called, right? Yeah. Okay. And now they're contacting you to set up a day and a time when they can come and follow up to make sure come that your environment your is okay. They're gone again. What do you think that, what do you think that means though at that point? To who? To you. What is that going to give you time to do? My whole life is fucked up. No. What does that give you time to do? Oh, straighten things out. Yes. It gives you time to straighten uh, things out. Make sure everything's good to go. Da, 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 da. I'm going to cover up any kind of holes I have in the walls, stuff like that. And them. make it look, I understand, and make it look as good as it possibly can. So uh, then when they go and they check things out. It's always fine. It looks okay. And it's like, okay. Da, da, da. And then I'll get word back on my patient's end that nothing happened. Mm. And I'm like, motherfucker. Does this make sense to does make sense a, to you now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. So they 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 have time to prepare. They have to time resolve to prepare things to cover anything up to do whatever like, it is that they can do. You before know, people follow up on. Some yeah, right. though, in some instances. So in some, yes. So in in some cases, situations, depending on like what it is. If it's like an if it warrants an emergency response, then they don't get that time. What's it? Okay, this uh, is a great question. What would be a um a warrant like a emergency response? What would be an example of an emergency response so that um like I don't even know actually what that would be. Somebody overdosing um okay. or um like abuse to the point of like physical injury so then what do they do they just they just show up they just show up they just show up and there's hotline and crisis calls and stuff like that so there's people that work on call that do like the after five shift and respond to emergency calls like that so okay Okay. So, right. So then in, in that example that I gave you guys in that specific situation, it, it's more of, right. It's like, I'm just getting information. I'm passing it along. I'm not really giving anything that's like happening right now, or that's something that's really huge. So therefore it's like, we don't know what this could be basically. So, so certain States require therapists like you and, and whoever else to, to, all, all states that's that's but, that's all states but i'm sure it's like different levels of things or it's all, all across the board it's the yeah same i'm shit. sure that in i'm sure for each state there's got to be some, maybe some minor differences i could only and, speak on like florida and like the states and who really... creates these these rules it's like the the representatives so this is the, the this state, is the, the, this is the, the state, state right, government right so each each state has their own set of laws and rules to follow for each uh, yeah, it's um, literally the state's mandate. Yeah. So there's no like, is there like a federal law that has no, these are required states. the states are, to do this? These are or, all states because I'm probably getting in deep water here. No, you're not. But but it's all based on states. So each so there's a there's a there's a one test uh, from the uh, from the what is it the NBCC right, which is like a national test right for all clinicians to take. Um, and then that test though is not the same, right? For each state. I mean, each mm -hmm. state has different tests, I think, or if it's each profession has, I don't really know how that works, but I know it's a national test.
Yeah. Okay. So no idea. Okay. I mean, my, my, my brain goes in like all kinds of different directions. when I think about all this stuff It's it's probably too deep for our podcast right now, but I can just, I, I just start thinking like, all right, who implemented this stuff in the first place? Yeah. Who's doing or, it? Yeah. There was all these, there was a bill that came out at some point somewhere in the federal level or state levels. And they were just like, Hey, you know, we need to require everybody to report this stuff. And you know, who wrote that bit? Like I go fucking deep. Mm -hmm. I'm like, the, what's the reasons no why they the did it? Cause then you get like, then it's like creates all this, like, and listen, you girls are doing an amazing job. And I think you girls morally do the right things and everything. It sounds like it, right? But like the these um, positions in, in government where they kind of inject themselves into the lives of people. I get it. I get the reasons. I understand it. Like you don't want people to hurt themselves. But it's like it's like we treat everybody as like a little baby. Like the state is like, okay, you guys don't know what you're doing in your house. So we need to come in there and check yeah. on things. You know, I mean, if the, I, I mean, well, actually, <laughs> I mean, technically, it's a morally, technically it's a they're thing. only doing it for populations that actually really can't take care of themselves in that healthy way. Cause if you think about it, what they're saying is mm. if you're a minor minors, I mean, there are very few minors I know out there that really, you yeah. know, can like fully take care of themselves oh, in so all fucking levels. The they said, if you oh. are mentally, physically disabled, handicapped, bam. Okay. Uh, 65 or older, bam. So yeah. they're, it's not, they're not saying from 18 to six. that's, yeah, yeah. those are the ages that they're like, okay, you know, like you can make some kind of choice, mm -hmm. some, some, some logical, you know, choice for yourself. So, but when yeah. you're certain ages and certain situations going on, that's difficult to do. So now we have to step in. That's yeah. when that's, so I guess as like a community, as like a America culture, we've decided it all together that like, all right, it's some people in culture, in our culture struggled to, to, yeah. Defended. Okay. All right. I guess I think there are some instances that has been take the system has been taken advantage of probably. Right. Of yeah. course. Naturally. Government yeah. run programs. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> anyways, sorry. That's, uh, that's <laughs> I'm like, I go, and then uh, Leah brings it back, and then we talk about normal stuff. stuff. Yeah. Um, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So I always wanted, that was like one of the things where, um, you know, social workers and mental health counselors, and again, I don't know the vibe of it out here in Rhode Island, but I know that just going through my schooling and everything and all that stuff in Florida is it, very interesting because you see the, um, the riff between <laughs> the social work population and then the mental health counselor population. Mm. And I never understood. Well, now I do. But when I was going through it, I was like, why is there like this fucking like thing? Like mental health counselors don't really have a huge, um, uh, what is that? Just like a huge organization behind them. It's actually fairly new the social work organization or the one like the head of like, you know, like social work. I don't know what it's called, but they've been around for a very, very fucking long time. And they're government funded. Right. Well, the board, like the, I, I, like for you guys, what's it called? What's it? NSWA. NSWA. Okay. Social work association. board. Yeah. The national mm. association. Right. Right. Whereas the national association, let's say for mental health clinicians, 
it's 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 fairly new. It's been around for a long time, but compared to social work, mm. it's new. So we don't have there's a word that I'm missing that I can't think of, but we don't have as much um I don't know, I guess as many like people backing, I guess the mental health counselors association well, you know versus I, the social I, I already association. know why it's because like most therapists are like independent or they work in their individual groups right as uh, as opposed to like uh, social workers well i think for, like, i think state. when social work i think so that's and that's because i think of and how social work like when social work first came out and it was a thing I think that was the focus of social work, which was mm. just working for government funded or whatever facilities, case management, et cetera. Today, that's not, you know, that's not the yeah. case, but because, right. I think that was the really mm. original, you know, groundwork for it or just the understanding of it. Then. Yeah. Then yeah, yeah. Well, and too, like, I think it's important to note that like, despite the fact that our roles are different, like we're still both social workers. And like, even as we progress, like with our academics and we'll still have the same degree when we come out of college, um, we're still gonna be doing different things, but pretty much aiming for a similar goal, which is all in all to help the people that we're working with and minimize risk within families and, you know, individuals' lives. So, you know, I think that People, when you think of social work or even, you know, I mean, there's so much that goes into it that I think people don't really understand. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we kind of play a lot of roles, I think. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of, like, I know for me, the main reason, because I considered a mental health um, program, but I think for me, like, social work is so broad. Like, people don't realize that you can be a medical social worker, a school mm -hmm. social worker, um, you work in a psych unit like there's literally like you can work in a prison there's so many different things on top of if you want to go the route of having a private practice um or literally basically just giving therapy to people um but you're a licensed independent social worker so i think it's like for me like i like hot knowing that i have that flexibility where like if i want to try something else like i'm considering doing my internship in a school to see if i like that setting um but then again, maybe I would like hospitals. So I think um, it's just, it's so broad that like, yes, case management and like working for like the state are, are like the common things that people think of. When it, right. But there's so much more. So. Yep. I, actually, I actually hate being called a caseworker. Um, oh, I'm sure. It's just like, cause like, that's just. People assume that's what you do. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. I, I do manage my cases. Yes. But like I do so much more and I think when you say the word caseworker mm -hmm. or, or whatever I feel like you're not taking in the component that like there is the social component to it you're building rapports with the you know the people that you're working with and you know they're you're out in the communities not looking just at paperwork exactly exactly yep. so you're on a file this is like face to face you know yep. dealing with every day so what? Would you say that um, a lot of your colleagues um, that you they work with or you run into along the way are, have a similar mentality as you guys, like really genuinely wanting to like help people, or is it kind of like a mix? You kind of run into some that are just like they're just doing it for the money or whatever for money. Well, you don't not, do it, for, not the money. it for the money. But like, do I don't know. Most. Maybe there's some other other things <laughs> well, that I'm I'm not aware of. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel like a lot of people are? 
Like, you yeah, know? I think like, cause before I started working where I work now, I worked at um, a substance use facility, but it was a section 35, which um, means that the patients were court ordered to be there. Um, the place is so, making money no matter what. It's like, yeah. yeah so yeah. I think there it was a lot of like, I noticed that a lot of people that worked there were in recovery themselves. Um, no. However, there was a fair share of people that just did not treat the patients like human beings. Like they were just more so focused on like, it was a job to them. Um, right. And like, even like the way sometimes people talk about it's, I think there's a big stigma when it comes to substance use. It's a whole other thing. But <laughs> it's a whole other the way people talk about um, those who suffer from addiction is just really disheartening. Um, and so that kind of like, because that was my first job out of college. So that kind of like, there was like both sides. I saw both sides, like people that genuinely cared, some people that did want to give back here in recovery and then other people that would refer to, to them as junkies. And, and I'm like, well, why are you working here if that's, if that's your viewpoint? But some people really do just like, they take a job. Cause, they need a job. Mm. Yeah, so I think it, it depends. Where I'm at now, I think mostly everybody's on because it's hard work and like i think everybody that works there has a passion for it um and even still can't sometimes stick around just yeah that yeah but yeah it's intense it depends the agency you're at yeah yeah well, that's that's the reason why we well one of the reasons why we had wanted to have you girl, girls on was because we we got like a good vibe from you girls and then like you're younger and you're like you're like kind of maybe shifting the culture of this this industry that you're in in a good way i'm hoping right where it's like genuinely really trying to help people and maybe coming up with like creative different ways to do the job that was done in the past differently you know and well, um, what people don't realize too is like how like i was kind of saying before how much like human interaction plays a role in whether or not people become successful in the goals that they're trying to set hmm. so, yeah so like putting a supportive service in, like like where Meredith works or whatnot, like just that relationship alone can be so beneficial for a family that had we just asked them to do it without like a service or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, it may not have worked out as well. And, you know, I think it's throughout like all of my careers that I've worked. So I worked with like at-risk youth when I got right out of undergrad. Um, and then I moved to New Jersey for a bit and I worked um, in the state prisons in New Jersey. So I, in New Jersey, I worked with inmates over there. Um, so I got to see like a different population and um, kind of advocate on their behalf as well. And, you know, I feel like all this, all the different like areas that I've honed in on, um, it kind of like hits you, like you realize like where the faults are in the system and um, you know, I know now, like with our graduate degrees that we're, you know, pursuing, we talk a lot about policy and how mm -hmm. that implements, you know, so how that's implemented into social work and sometimes it, like benefits, but sometimes it also doesn't. So I think like mainly I think that there's just so much like to go into social work, you don't need a unless you're going to be like a licensed like like a LICSW. Um, like you can go into social work and have a psychology degree. You can go into yeah. social work and have a criminal mm -hmm. justice degree um, because it is, it is that broad. But like Meredith said, like 
now at this point, I feel like for the most part, I would say people in my agency, um, you know, I think anywhere you go, there's going to be good workers, there's going to be bad workers, there's going to be people who care, people who don't care, um, people who are burnt out, and then people mm -hmm. who are fresh eyes into the field, you know. So I think that people will learn whether or not they love this enough to stick on it. But don't you think this is like, it's like such a critical job that like, wouldn't we as a culture want to like filter the people out that are doing your job, but are not doing it to the best of their abilities? Oh, 100%. How would you go about doing that? Like require mm -hmm. therapy for every anybody that's going to go out in the field or whatever mm -hmm. and actually communicate with people? That mm -hmm. would be a good one. Self-awareness, yeah. right? But yeah. they probably don't do that, right? They try to teach like self-care skills or like... Yeah. I <laughs> I think it's also too like the I don't know like it, it it's like such it takes a team I think and like if you have uh if you feel like you work somewhere where you're really supported and you have um you know good people that you can turn to and like you don't feel like you're alone because I think that like that's a big thing like having um a supervisor who is is really invested in like your well-being not just job I think helps a lot um because I'm, I'm sure we've all worked places where like that in itself makes it so difficult to work there so I feel like mm -hmm. if you have that support it's really hard to to stick with it and I think that's too like why a lot of people just because like if, if you're not making a lot of money and you're dealing with yeah makes it worse. Stuff, like yeah. burnout's gonna be yeah burnout yeah huge thing Wait. For sure, for sure. Happens in a lot of a lot of there's a lot of turnover when it comes to this field. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And and you know what I feel like it's so fucked up because especially like for therapists and even social workers and stuff like that, like you're coming into this person's life at such like a crucial point for them mm -hmm. where it could be like they just lost a parent or, you know, they are dealing with substance abuse issues or whatever it may be. It's such a crucial, crucial point for them. And they're getting to a point or trying to work towards a point where they're feeling comfortable and trusting of another, of a stranger. Yeah. Um, help guide them through this and then for that person to just disappear, disappear or change up and then having for that person to then have to retell their entire yep. story. Right, right, right. Like they have to retell it. Um, I, I mean, I think that, that that impacts a lot of people. I mean, I have cases where people have told me they've had so many different workers um, in the past and like they're just so surprised like if I've stuck around for the year, you know what I yeah. mean? therapist yeah. too like I, I have clients telling me all the time like oh my therapist is leaving I have to wait on a wait list again for a new one and you know all these things so I think for such a, a field that's so like important I think in people's lives and especially like the, the consistency if it's because we're so underpaid and overworked yeah, it's tough. really difficult field for sure oh yeah sure and a difficult field to be six like for people to find success in. Because if you're going to therapy to try to address your anxiety, but you're getting a new therapist every six months, the chances of you feeling like that's successful for you is gonna be smaller. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I feel like, you know, if 
if this industry and then there's probably stuff like this that 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 happens but like is there a way to to move what you guys do into like private like entrepreneurial sector and i guess that would be with like um Mm -hmm. uh, what do they call them um not like an li yeah, like the nonprofits or whatever, something like that. Like that. Well, she wouldn't be on her own then. I mean, if she works. Well, I don't know. No, I'm just saying. Like uh, they could, they could easily open up like their own private practice yeah. and do the same yeah. exact stuff that they oh, do, but you just could, do it in their own practice. Form. But you wouldn't be. Yeah, but you wouldn't have like cases and stuff, right? Because that all goes through the state. Well, so well, yeah, like I work at a nonprofit. It's just like oh, okay. Yeah, so it's like we. So get, it is step. It's. You guys get funds from the state, though, funded from yeah, the state. Yeah, we get a lot of grants. Um, okay. I'm like, I, I'm honestly not really sure where they all come from, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, so obviously there's still like contracts and stuff that we have to follow, but like, I know, um, I've, I actually follow this um, lady on social media and she opened a group private practice um, for social workers and like mm-hmm. they do like hip hop therapy and like really cool stuff and i thought that was really cool because like she put basically put like her own twist on it mm-hmm. um, was able to like employ interns that she's had and um mm. relate to people like of different cultures that like maybe don't believe in therapy and like use hip-hop right. to yeah. um, get their buy-in and stuff like that so like there's definitely ways to do that which i would love to do at some point in my life but I think it's, it's, they don't really also teach us, like, if you ask um, about a private practice, they'll, they'll talk about it, some of our professors, but it's not anything that, like, is really taught in our curriculum, which I find interesting, too. Like, how to, how to have your own business in this field. Yeah, I feel like somebody could really, t- like, with somebody that's like you girls with a real entrepreneurial spirit could take this shit to the next level and get funding from like celebrities and whatever, and actually do the work in the right way, you know, in a, I mean, it would probably be in small communities, like a small, like a state by state thing, Mm -hmm. but like, it's something I think that could, we're kind of working on in grad school is like grant proposals and right right so that's yeah, how it kind of all to. works though i guess huh? yeah sort of yeah, yeah. but then, then it's somehow along the way i feel like it gets corrupted or that. something well, yeah well, and then you're, you're getting, going for a grant then obviously yeah, you're, any, with, you're yeah. still staying with the system and this is why like if you were going to do this on a private stay away level from, stay away you would government. have to basically just find an investor right yeah. find someone who's willing to just privately give you money and start your own yeah 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 but it could it could it could that's how this is going to change, I think. You know, get like lots of people like you and recreate the the system in which you hire people and and the whole process of going out and talking to people. Um, I mean, not saying like it's it, we all everybody agrees. I mean, through this conversation, it sounds like it's like it's not broken the system, but it's it's tough. It's a, it's it's a yeah. There's a lot of barriers and whatever red yeah, tape and I'd shit. Say so. And it, that yeah. it makes your job difficult, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that sucks. Um, well, like kind of wrapping it up a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, but I, I did have like this question, which kind of relates to what we were just talking about is that, like, what do you, you girls feel like you were doing different to uh, help change any kind of stereotypes in the industry or, or whatever, just on an mm. individual basis, like, like just doing your part, you know, and, and feeling like 
if I just keep doing this, somebody sees that I'm doing this, maybe they'll start doing it, you know, a colleague of mine or whatever, and maybe we can actually change our little community within the, the your your space. I think for me, like, I think it's really important for me to like build a, a relationship with clients and like families and gain their trust, like going in and just like meeting them where they're at. Like I always tell families, like you are the expert of your family. Like I'm not like, mm -hmm. I, I think it's like a lot of times people struggle with like the power differential. So mm -hmm. I try to like um, break that, like that barrier and like let them teach me things. And like one thing that like, I've been really big on is like working with families from different cultures, like not going in and assuming things, like asking them to like teach me about their culture, like teach me about like the mm -hmm. food they like to eat. And like, mm -hmm. um, I've worked with people that speak a ton of different languages. Um, and I think that really helps to like feel like, I think the biggest thing is like, they just need to feel like humans, yeah. not like something's wrong with them mm -hmm. or that um, we're here because their life is messed up like just letting them know like i'm a support like that that's it i'm not here to um really like dictate your life but i think just trying to learn from them too because yeah, that's a big one yeah and i think for me you know my like the agency that i work for i think there's a lot of stigma around like being sneaky um mm. whereas like I'll literally meet a family for the first time that I'm working with um, or a client for the first time. And I tell them right off the bat, I'm like, I'm no bullshit. Um, I'm transparent. If a concern comes up, I'm going to address it with you. Because if I just go and address it with upper management, the chances are that um, they're going to want to react on it rather mm -hmm. than having me like work with the family to like come up with a re resolution together. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, Nicole, like go, go react. You know what I mean? So I tell my families like straight off the bat, like, you know, recently I had a, um, a client who, um, admitted to like very hesitantly admitted to me that, you know, he's continuing to, to use substances. Um, and I said, look, you're going to, you should be honest with me because if you're not honest with me, I can't guide you in the right way. So I'm not here to judge you, but I'm here to let you know these are what your options are, A, B, and C, um, because right now what you're doing isn't working for you. Um, so letting people know that like, I'm always gonna be transparent, whether it's a, a positive thing or if it's a negative thing that they don't wanna hear, I feel like it doesn't benefit a client, nor does it benefit me to hide something, um, you know, that if, if it's a concern, to hide that from them rather than address it together and we can work on it as a team. And yeah. I think that has definitely helped a lot in like my ability to build rapports with, with clients that I work with um, because I think they're so used to like people kind of like coming around the back and mm -hmm. you know what I mean, that type of stuff. I'm, I'm like, yeah, no, that's not gonna be me. Right, yeah. I, th I, th I heard like through this conversation, I, I got this thought, right, of like, I think about your business, your private, practice right um people come to you mm -hmm. people seek you out and they pay you right they call you up you're not like knocking on doors and like going mm -hmm. in there right it unfortunately in your situation that is kind of your job and you're just showing up and nobody's like these people are not like 
oh my God, I really need them in there. We Most of them, you, some, right. of, some of them maybe, but yeah. you know, yeah. and that's where the, the, tension, the tension comes in, yep. right? If there was a way, and, and I think everything we talk about ends up being like this, like cultural shift, right? And it, and it takes time, but this would probably be one of those things. So it would, it, we'd have to inject some sort of cultural change where people, um, where we, we are, as a culture, we create opportunities and, and, and uh, for these people to voluntarily seek your services because everybody needs help, right? At some level, like there's all kinds of people that need Aaliyah's help, but they don't really maybe live in an area or talk about therapy or whatever with their people or, or, or it's not promoted enough or, or I don't, who knows why people call you up, but somehow through with a grapevine, people call you up, right? Why can't it be the same way with you guys, right? But it, it would take, a, it's more like marketing and promoting this No, but there's also a different, the whole context though is a different context, I would, I would say, because when people call me, right, on their own hmm. for XYZ reasons, there's no actual like... It's not like you call me and let's say like and, and let's off. say yeah. you don't do the suggestions the things that I uh, you know suggest that you do and that there's in their minds a huge consequence. Yeah. Now, in my mind, I know the consequence right. is basically that you're just not helping yourself to improve if you're not doing anything so you just stay stagnant and you still stay in the same fucking life that you're in. That's uh -huh. my that's the consequence I see. But it's not an actual consequence. Like it's not like if I don't meet these treatment goals, then I don't get my kids back or then I don't do that. Or that yeah, I feel like the consequences for people in when it comes to the services, specifically these services are in their minds higher and greater. Right? So why would people just think about it like that? Why would people who are already living an unhealthy life, who are already mm. doing something dysfunctional, who either don't know that it's dysfunctional or who just don't really give a shit that's dysfunctional or it's the norm to be dysfunctional, okay? Mm. Contact people I who see, I see where you're going. tell them that if you don't do this and you don't meet this fucking shit, then you're not getting your fucking kids I'm, back. I'm, Why the fuck would I do that? I'm like you know? think like, talking here, but as you were talking, then I was like, okay, maybe the deeper, deeper, realist solution is, is to, because those individuals that eventually call you up if they didn't call you up, they may not be self-aware enough to know something about themselves or th maybe they're doing some fucked up shit in their family that's causing them to show up at the door, right? Well, I think because that, that falls not... into like stages of change too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're not ready to change, then it doesn't matter. Like you're, they're not going to call Leah. Like if right. they're not where they feel like they need to make that shift where right. there's a, like a difference when it comes to like an agency like one of ours would be like okay they may not acknowledge that they need to change yet but we're going to tell them why they need to acknowledge why they need to change yeah. because if you don't then this this that right yeah. right whereas when they go to Aaliyah they're like okay I they're know ready clearly I know something needs to change I'm ready to take that yep. step yeah. Once again, like I said, it's like a cultural thing. And I'm always like living in this world of like, I'm like, I'm trying to, it always ends up like the, 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 what I'm trying to say is like this fictional utopia world. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> 
like I'm like if if we all just like we're more self-aware and and it was promoted and we all just talk like but that's why exactly why we have this podcast is to talk about these things and start like we're doing our little imprint for the next 50 years you know and maybe like a certain number of people will listen to some of these podcasts and start thinking differently and that's how you change culture it's not it's nothing that's going to be overnight right. so yeah i will say is people because like my agency it's not as like as hers like where like they have to do certain things right like, a little more voluntary and i will say there definitely is people that are, are crying for help and they do want the services mm. but then you get the ones where they want nothing to do with you they so definitely is people that want the help it's just unfortunately there's really not a lot of help available and sometimes yeah like there's people waiting for years and months for services and then the ones that really could care less about having it get them because of <laughs> right that's a good point right right it yeah, is. I mean, as in at least in America or in culture and society, I feel like like this is like the number one thing. Like you know, they're 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 giving like billions of dollars to Ukraine and all these wars and military and stuff like that. Dump a billion into this uh, self awareness and like just making it more open and for people to go to therapy and just having normalized yeah, yeah movies and talk shows but i think on we're Netflix going i think and, you know like, i think I, I know we're going I deep think, no no i don't i don't think i think I, I i don't think we're going deep i do think we have to wrap up but <laughs> but i do also um think that we're already that's where i i see it going it's like well, like when i first got in the field this is now like 2006 and i always i always say this I can I I can honestly tell you in all the facilities that I fucking worked at and did all that shit at, okay? From 2006 until well now I don't work in the feel like that, but even just like in my own practice, when I first started there was never a minority mm. in any of these treatment facilities. And men it was too, right? all it was all all Caucasian, all a lot of it was more um and it's interesting because sometimes it kind of like ebbs and flows, especially in treatment, but like white females, men, sometimes it would be more females than it would be men. Um, but it just got that also kind of like, you know, like, but no, like never saw anyone who was black, never saw uh, uh, Indian, never saw Asian, never saw. Okay. Like this is in 2006, yeah. you know? Cut to today, Jesus. I mean, I don't know. It's it's like I, I almost kind of hate saying this, but honestly, like to be a minority practitioner now is like fucking gold, and it's <laughs> insane because it's like the amount of minorities I'm getting right now, which I fucking love because I know culturally it's not talked about. I have mm. I have such culture like in the Indian culture right now. I can't tell you how many how many patients I have, That's and I'm great. loving it because in that culture, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. to do therapy so i think now in 2023 compared to 2006 i've seen what you're yeah, talking about already start slow, happening yeah, so i know yeah, it's yeah. you know well right. progression yeah progression in the right direction but it is slow and i yeah. think 
still a lot of flaws within the system that need to be resolved for us to get to that place where people don't feel stigmatized and don't feel um, embarrassed or whatever it is to seek out these resources or seek out this help. Um, but that's why, like, you know, what I was saying about us in school is that they're trying to kind of teach us stuff from also the macro level. So, like, mm -hmm. talk policies and, you know, kind of trying to paint the picture for our clients to those policymakers and explain right. to them, like, what really is needed. Um, and I think for us being on, like, the front lines of it, I think we have probably the best insight as to what's needed in the field today than, you know, people who have been in our agencies 20 plus years. Cause Oh, absolutely. Which is another reason why I was excited to have you guys on too. Um, and then we really have to wrap up. Okay. <laughs> another reason, another reason why I was excited to have you guys on. Um, and I would love to talk more, whether it be even just, you know, outside of this or whatever is that, I'm being in private practice now for however long. First of all, when I work by myself, so I don't really have anybody to kind of like bounce things off of. I'm not hearing about a lot of the new shit that's going on out there. And if I do hear about it, it's because I'm, I'm actively seeking it out on my own versus just being, you know, like, um, yep. so, you know, I mean, besides the psychedelic treatment that I'm into now, besides that, I don't know a lot of maybe some new shit that's out there now because when I was younger and when I was working for facilities, it was like thrown just, I mean, you're constantly talking about it, hearing about it, stuff Say like new, this. New techniques. New technique, oh. right. Yeah, just I was new, like new shit, like, like you're finding treatment. out like new fucked up shit that's going new on in the houses and stuff. New <laughs> New modalities, like, like, just what new, you know. Shit, are people doing? Yeah. Um, so, so, so this is why I was excited to also have that, have that standpoint, you know, have that viewpoint. Because I'm like, to be honest, they probably know being that they're in their grad school program around time, right? Like mm -hmm. they're like in the field right now and they're in it. They probably know or have heard of way more modalities out there right now that are new that I still haven't even like heard about yet. So absolutely, it makes tons yeah, of sense. Yeah. Oh, was, uh, Which is it was, why it's needed. It's yes, it's needed. It was needed. it was amazing meeting you girls. And yes, I'm sure I we'll, loved having you guys on. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll we'll Thank talk you. to yeah. you again. I love getting out like a different perspective for what we do. So yeah, maybe we'll see you at the Bodhi Spa again. Yes, yes. people will plan it accordingly. Another, yeah. another plug for Bodhi Spa. Big shout out Bodhi Spa. Another plug for Bodhi. Spa. that cold plunge though? Yeah, <laughs> you got to get in there for more you than gotta do it. You did it actually pretty well. They went in for what? How long? It did got you go? better as minutes? you guys went. Yeah, it got better as you guys kept doing it. How long is you? No, no. Maybe we made we made them three minutes. Maybe, but that, that's still huge. That's way awesome. better. I mean, everybody else is doing ten seconds, right? But we did like, more. Than yeah, yeah, you did good. Thirty minutes that Aaliyah did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, she takes a bath and they're hanging out. Love compartmentalize. See what happens when you <laughs> when you use it for certain certain things. There you go. That's what I was yeah. doing. Yeah. All, All right. right, ladies. Um, definitely we'll keep in touch for yep. sure. And hopefully we speak to you guys again. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Thank right, you. Bye. Nice weekend. Bye. Um, so wrapping up, convenient truth. Yeah. Done. Um, I hope everyone 
listened, got something out of this. Uh, I thought this was really great. And um, I was really, I'm, I'm really happy to have them on. What we're going to yeah. be doing more of, Joe and I talked about, I was telling him last night that I can't wait to start having just more people who we run into, who we speak to, who we vibe with, who we just are kind of like, okay, cool. Come on the podcast, come talk. And just speaking yeah. to just people, right? Yeah. Who just like, who are in in the nitty, doing it, whatever, living their life, doing yeah. whatever they're doing, having great energy while doing it. That's what we're um, connecting to and just love to have on this podcast. So we'll continue to have that. Yeah. And uh, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy B-Day. And uh, that's about it. Bye. See you later.